Hey everyone, I'm Marianne Williams and I want to thank Tim Schreiber for putting together this opportunity for us to have a deeper conversation than we normally have about what makes us human and what makes us one. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about how we're so disunited in our homes and the social distancing and how difficult it is for all of us. But I think we should be honest with ourselves. We were doing social distancing before there was social distancing. We were all in our silos too often, identifying only with our own tribe, identifying only with our own culture, our own nationality, looking at our own screens sometimes too much instead of the people around us. And now, in a very ironic way, we're even more united. And what we're united in is pain. We're united in grief. We're united in horror at what is happening. But in this moment where so many of us are experiencing very common emotions and are having a very common experience because COVID doesn't see us as different. COVID sees us as one human family. There's a lot of gold to mine in this moment of collective horror. And by the way, the fact that we feel such grief at this moment, the fact that we feel such horror does not mean we have a mental uh, issue, a mental problem. This is sometimes the fact that we are upset is a sign of mental health. The mental health issue is the way we have been organizing our, civil, our human civilization that even got us to this point. What's insane, what the mental health is, issue is of human civilization, certainly in my country and many countries, is the fact that we have been skating on such thin ice. And we weren't just skating on such thin ice related to pandemics. We're skating on thin ice related to nuclear power, nuclear weapons. We're skating on very thin ice related to weather catastrophes. So there's a lot for us to learn here. There's a lot of talk about love and how love will get us through this. But the social and political and economic forces that run this world don't care that we talk about love, as long as we don't talk about love and unity when it comes to those social and economic and political forces. So we have a lot to think about because what will happen once this is over, and this too shall pass, but what will happen is exactly what happened after 9-11. After 9-11, there was this collective heartbreak. After 9-11, there was this moment of unity. And then we were all told, just go back and start shopping. And we went back to where we had been. Let's not do that this time. And we're going to need more than a common language. We're going to need courage. If we're going to say, as Deepak said, we want a new story now, then we are going to have to stand for that, even in places where it is unpopular. If we want a world in which we transition from a war economy to a peace economy, where we transition from a dirty economy to a clean economy, where we transition from an economic to a humanitarian line, which is the only world that gives us any reasonable guarantee that we will sustain ourselves as a species in the 21st century, then we're going to have to do more than just feel it. We're going to have to do more than just talk about it. We're going to have to be willing to talk about it in places where it is deemed inconvenient, in places where it will be marginalized because the social and political and economic forces that run this world don't care. We can go like this all day. We can talk all love, dove all day. And we can remind ourselves how good we are as people, which we are. There are far more lovers than haters in my country and in this world. But those who hate, hate with conviction. And what we have to do now is we have to love with 
conviction. And that means going against the major impulse of the status quo, the economic, political, and social status quo that runs this world. I think what we recognize now in the midst of this circumstance is that that status quo was more than inadequate to a moment like this. That status quo is deadly in a moment like this because it is a status quo that rewards the few at the expense of the many. Look at the doctors, look at the nurses, look at the people uh, dealing with food, the grocers, people who, who are dealing uh, with the garbage, people who are delivering food. We see such examples of our goodness and our decency and our dignity. That is not where the problem lies. The problem is not that we're not good people. Of course, we're united in heart. The problem is that on the level of too many of the public and political and economic policies that actually forge trajectories such as this one, there is no heart, there is no conscience, there is no ethical or moral sense of responsibility to our planet or to each other or to animals. Part of what we're united in right now is realizing that this is true. That's part of the grief and that's part of the horror. Oh my God, what have we become and what have we allowed to happen? So I believe that there's a tremendous maturation that's going on. We're going through a collective maturation. This is a profound moment, like in the caterpillar, when the caterpillar falls apart and it forms imaginal cells out of which will come the butterfly. There are those before me who have spoken that something good can come from this. Yes, something very, very good can come from this, but only if we choose. And only if we are not naive about what it's going to take. We must collectively dream now and we must collectively have a new conversation, but we also must mature within ourselves. This is a time to read. This is a time to reflect. This is a time to pray. This is a time to meditate. This is a time to address what Martin Luther King said when he said, we must have changes, external changes in our circumstances, quantitative changes in our circumstances, he said but also qualitative changes in our souls. We have the data. We know what happened here. I know as an American, yes, we know that the virus didn't emanate here, but we know that once it got here, we didn't have the systems in our healthcare system or any of our governmental agencies to the extent to which we should have, by which there was even a reasonable guarantee that our, the people of our country and the people of the world would be prepared would be guaranteed safety, even a modicum of safety, at such a time of collective catastrophe. We have to be unified in thinking about that. We have to put aside childish things now. Some people say they're so traumatized by this moment, but let's remember other generations have been traumatized and other generations have been in trouble. What about the people who walked across the bridge at Selma? You think they weren't traumatized? They didn't know if they were gonna bring out the bullets. They didn't know if they were gonna bring out the dogs. They didn't know if they were gonna bring out the hoses, but they rose to the occasion. And in every country, we have ancestors who did this. In my country, the abolitionists rose to the occasion and the women's suffragettes rose to the occasion and the civil rights workers rose to the occasion. And we must be united in our commitment. And we too will rise to the occasion. Right now, we are conceiving a new story and it is gestating within us. And as soon as this thing is over and we can get out there, and even starting now, we can give labor. We can, we can go into labor and we can give birth to this new world. So we have to be soft as a feather and tough as a stone. We have to be very, very graceful and we have to have a lot of grit. Right now, we're crying. Who are you if you haven't cried? It's okay to cry. 
Only sociopaths have no remorse. Only heartless people don't feel the pain of suffering on the level that it is going on right now. But we will cry. And as Wilka says in that extraordinary poetic line, let me not squander the hour of my pain. Let us not squander the hour of this pain. Let us be united in knowing there are reasons to cry and there are things to think about. And on the other side of this, there are some things that we must do. And if more of the people who already feel such love in our hearts are united in our generation as they have been in other generations to stand for love, not just talk about love, but to stand for love, no matter what is thrown back at us, something extraordinary is going to happen here. And we will all be able to look back at this and know that the suffering will not have been in vain and the souls that we lost from this will not have died in vain. This has rocked us to our core, but in ways that we needed to be rocked to our core. There's a saying that every problem comes bearing its own solution. This has cracked us open, and that's exactly what we needed. We're going to go forth from this place with all our intelligence, all our courage, all our commitment, all our conviction, and we're going to recreate the world. This is an extraordinary moment to be alive. You have to dig a deep hole in the ground to have a high building after that. We're going deep inside ourselves. We're going deep into the vertical. On the other side of this, what we're going to do on the horizontal, we've had to go deep down, and we're going to go really high. Let's be united in that thought, and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you so much. <laughs>